Another beautiful day at home, and we are wherever you are, whether you're home, whether you're driving, whether you're at work right now. We're happy to be keeping you company for the next four hours on Drop the Subject with Allie and James. James, I um, just had a question for you right away because I was, yesterday I was, you know, doing some work on the show, just getting ready to figure out what the hell we're going to talk about today. Uh-huh. And I decided I needed a little change of scenery because I'm going through a second round of quarantine crazies. <laughs> oh, only your second. I feel like there's a lot of people who are on their like 10th and 11th rounds. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there are mini, there are mini <laughs> crazies that are happening in between. But I really, I, you know, we've been doing this now at home for what has it been? Four months. Yeah. Since Mar- and, March 13th. Yep. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I, I still I don't really go anywhere, you know, because cases are on the rise trying to limit the amount of times I'm leaving my house. And my wife and I decided that our house needs a break from us. From from you guys. <laughs> yeah. I think the house itself is like, guys, get out of here. Right. I, I can't. I need to air out. I need, right. I need to breathe. I need some alone time. Like, can a, can a girl just meditate? So then I went to the, there's a little pool area, a little communal pool. So I, I was like, why don't I sit by there and I'll do my little show prep stuff. Uh-huh. So I'm sitting there, and I'm, I'm usually not there at that time. I walk in, and there is a woman who looks like she's there every single day, and that it has become 100% her office. Oh, She's got one of the little picnic tables by the pool. She's got it all set up. She's got piles, and I'm talking piles of papers. What? She's got manila folders. Outside? She's got, oh, yeah. Uh, coffee. She's got her dog on a leash under the table, with and it's got its little bed. Like she's got everything all like sprawled out as if this is my office every day. And this I was like, is multiple Whoa. trips from her apartment. Yeah, like she. Yes. This is not just like drag your laptop in a bag down with the dog. No, this is like I need to bring a lunch. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. So so then. I'm like, okay, whatever she needs to, you know, she probably doesn't want to, she's probably like me. She doesn't want to be in her house anymore. So then I sit down and I'm, you know, looking at stuff for the show. And then I hear her going, well, if you click on the tab there, it has a, an itinerary of what's going on for the next four days. Oh, and uh, and so if no. I can present this to you guys. So, so okay, so great. So what questions do you have? And I'm going, okay, oh, now she's no. on a full on Zoom meeting. Very loud. And it's not like, you know people who can quietly talk on the phone or quietly be on FaceTime or <laughs> right. quietly be on a Zoom call where you're just like, hey, guys, what's up? This is somebody who feels like you need to yell into the microphone at all times. Otherwise, you're not oh, being heard. Uh-huh. And it made me think, is Zoom is Zooming in public the new most annoying thing in 2020? <laughs> because... It could... I, I was like struggling. I was like, is this more annoying than somebody who's just talking on FaceTime and lounging. Like if somebody was just laying out by the pool and talking loudly to their boyfriend on FaceTime, would that annoy me more than this? And I was like, you know, I'm not sure. Huh. Very, very interesting. I I guess I'm of, of multiple minds of this. I mean, it sounds like that this woman has figured out that she's going to go crazy if she doesn't get out of her apartment, right? Or maybe she has already and she's like, yep, I was at my breaking point, so I moved my office outside. But I feel like there there's also enough technology 
to do this in a respectful way. Like if she saw that you were there, she either needs to like, you know, maybe she she just knows that she was going to wrap up in five minutes and she just does it for five minutes. She's loud for five minutes, but then it's over. But otherwise, like get some AirPods or get right. something uh-huh. that like that. Do that. Have your office sprawled out. Like do your whole thing. That's fine. I think everybody gets that. But there, I feel like there are two types of people in this world. There are the type of people in the world who Zoom and FaceTime on speakerphone out loud in front of a bunch of other people. And there's everyone else who gets angry about that. <laughs> like like the woman yeah. who this past weekend I did an outdoor workout. And she, this is similar to your story, Ali. She outdoor workout. She was FaceTiming with her family the entire time she was working out. Oh, and you were doing a group outside It was like workout? a group outdoor workout. It was one of <gasps> the most... And she was on the phone while yeah. she was participating in the outdoor workout? It was also one of the workout? most brutal workouts I've ever done, by the way. So we're like running <laughs> stairs. We're like doing push-ups and V-ups and air squats and blah, And then we're running 400 meters. And it was like a crossfit kind of thing. It was like crazy. And I'm dying. I'm dying. And she's just chatting away about refinancing her husband's car or something <laughs> on FaceTime with her mother. There are those people who are always going to find a way to socialize in front of other people. And they are the people who don't necessarily think about how you feel. And I think that is really the key. Like this is, this is, it just, it baffles me how you cannot even be so aware of your surroundings or not care about your surroundings. I guess you just don't care. Right. And what is it like to not care at all? To just go, I want to talk to my family member right now and I don't care. I don't, I don't, I don't get that at all. I also would be like, I don't know what it's like to not care if I just come up and throw your iPad in the pool. Like, cause that's, I would, you know, there is part (laughs) of me that would be like, hi, excuse me. This is disruptive. Like, you're being kind of a little bit loud. Do you, you know, do mm-hmm. you have? Air, would you like to borrow my AirPods? I'll sanitize them for you. You know, like, I, like start the conversation off in a nice yeah, way. Yeah, I think that there were a lot of shady glances being thrown in her direction, but I don't necessarily think that anyone was willing to say anything to her. And I wondered how many days in a row this has happened, where other people are going to the pool every single day, or other people are doing those workouts and they don't see. Uh, they, 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 it upsets them, but they don't say anything about it. Well, um, where is the most annoying place to Zoom in public? We want to hear from you at DTS Show on Twitter and on Instagram. When we come back, news from the right. Somebody who has been Ugh. on this show on Drop the Subject is getting roasted by the right-wing conservatives. We'll talk about it next. Drop the Subject, the new Channel Q. Drop the Subject on the new Channel Q. Allie Johnson, James Simmons. You know... One of my pleasures in life, one of the things I look forward to the most, is reading up and learning about what the right-wing conservative media does. It makes me happy, it relaxes me, it makes me feel calm and and hopeful for the future as a black queer man. Yeah, I know that you connect with it, and I know that it's just a part of... You know, it's just like you say you have one or two things that just kind of lift you up throughout the day, that uh-huh. little surge of positivity. I know that it's turning on, it's just clicking on Fox News or, you know, looking yeah. up what's going on on Breitbart. And totally. It yeah. is. It, it's, it's, there's something just very, very soothing about it. And <laughs> so here on Drop the Subject, because we're giving everyone a voice, soothing. we also give, <laughs> we give, 
the the right a uh, a uh, 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 a moment of our attention to. That's why we do news from the right. Oh boy! And in uh, this edition, of, I was going to say this week, but we are definitely not doing this weekly. But since we are um, <clears throat> giving everyone a voice, the wages of woke is an article in the Washington Free Beacon. And before we go any further, I should establish, and I feel like everyone should do this, by the way, when you read any information from any news outlet, do your own research about the background of that news outlet and the person who wrote that particular article in general, and then feel free to read a counterpoint. But as you may recall, early on in after George Floyd's death, I believe within the first week of that, if we interviewed Dr. Robin D'Angelo, author of White Fragility, Why It's So Hard for White People to Talk About Racism. If you missed that interview, it is it was fantastic. It was compelling and amazing. And you can actually, if you go to the podcast page at wearechannelq.com and then go to Drop the Subject Podcast, you will see it there. And we had an amazing interview with her. Dr. Robin D'Angelo has gone on to be interviewed on GMA, CNN, all over the place. We scooped her a, l- a little bit early in the game. It was great. It was a fantastic interview. Well, now we see our friend, Dr. Robin D'Angelo, who wrote this book, who is really trying very hard to do a lot of work in terms of educating white folks about systemic racist issues, got blasted by the Washington Free Beacon in this article called The Wages of Woke, How Robin D'Angelo Got Rich Peddling White Fragility. <laughs> yeah, so... Kind of interesting. I I downloaded her book after we talked to her, and I I was you know put, putting it I did the audio version. I was putting it putting uh-huh. my little AirPods in. And I was like getting ready, and I and you know how they have the reviews, yeah, on yeah. the on Audible, and uh-huh. there are so many bad reviews for her book because oh, yeah. of people like like this person right who uh-huh. just think that. She is peddling this stupid term that's not real and that sh- that it's it's meant to make everyone feel bad. And I mean, they, there were things that were just completely mindless attacks. And then there were others that were really broken down, intellectualized theories about why her book is BS. And it was just mm. really interesting to see it so activated right? because it kind of, in a way, proves her point. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think that's the best part about it. And that, she, uh, which is probably why Dr. D'Angelo it doesn't really respond to a lot of those critics, I think, is she, her response is, is her book. And white people having such a, an incredible reaction to it, an intense reaction, is exactly the point she's trying to prove. And everyone's uh, so fragile about the white fragility book (laughs) that no (laughs) one can even handle. Yeah. Well, this this article is like scathing. It's crazy. Charles Fane Lehman, who's a staff writer for the Washington free beacon. I mean, this probably has to be, this is at least a thousand word article. And he just goes in on how she's peddling all of this, that basically he's trying to make a financial argument that she's done. She's come, it came up with this fake term of white fragility and she's peddling all of this and making all of this money just based off of this like fake concept and, and really preying on white people's fears about racism and whatever. And that she may have made more than $2 million from her book. Uh, you know, she's a keynote speaker as well, which lots of professors, lots of authors are. And she charges anywhere between thirty and forty thousand dollars for keynotes or half day, um, you know, uh, of, events, corporate events types of things. Which this is not—that's what all speakers. This is what all do, speakers right? do. I mean, if you go, if you want to go back to the super conservative individuals, look at what Ben Shapiro. I can't, oh, 
I can't even believe his name just came out of my mouth. What he charges, you know, we what did we just learn? Laura Ingram uh, charges like right. two, two, three hundred thousand dollars as a keynote speaker or whatever. But so anyway, this is really, really pretty awful. I, I want to. I don't even want to go more into the details, but I will tell you that the Washington Free Beacon uh, was rated by Media Bias Fact Check, which is a great website. If you go to it, we'll tell you all about. Like they don't love anybody. Their job is just to be like this. This is how biased your media is. They give them um, out of a one to six rating, basically on their factualness. They give them a four, which is bad, like mixed. <laughs> and then in terms on a one to seven scale, being extreme left as a one and extreme right as a seven, they give them a six point five. Oh, <laughs> like they pretty much can't yeah. get more biased to the right yeah. than this organization. Well, Charles Fain Lehman, if you want to read this entire article, I mean, it is long, as James said, and it's one of those things where you look at the writing and it sounds like crazy notes that someone's just writing in a notebook (laughs) about like why the earth is flat. Like there's just the language itself is very conspiracy theory-ish. Um, so fun reads, fun reads, soothing, oh, as we already said. And speaking of soothing, we're going to update you on COVID when we get back. <laughs> Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Well, I wish I could say this show is called Drop the Virus, but unfortunately the virus is not done with us yet. It is Drop the Subject, and we are giving you a bit of a COVID update because we haven't in a little while. There's some updates, including one of the latest things just with the presidential election is that Notre Dame has announced they will withdraw from the 2020 presidential debate. Um, So, of course, they're saying it's because of coronavirus. So I would imagine this is probably going to continue. Um, Also, the president, speaking of, the president did uh, share a video that was later taken down on Twitter because it was a bunch of false information about COVID-19, which no surprises there. Right, James? Yeah. And this is really pretty funny that this is popping back up. Like, why won't hydroxychloroquine just go away? Like, uh, I can't. So this like what uh, this organization called like, um, what are they? Americans for American physicians for freedom. I don't know, something crazy like that, that they um, they they released this video and it's all these physicians talking about America's frontline doctors that's what they're called let's get their name right so that you know who they are and know not to trust them so they they released this big video about like why hydroxychloroquine has been proven in so many ways to work and why are we not talking about it anymore um this video came out on breitbart so again oh yeah continuation of news from the right continuation of news from the right very very far from the right um, and if you here's the thing about doing your research, America's frontline doctors was the website was just created a couple of weeks ago. Every single one of the physicians that appears in the video has some sort of connection to uh, Republican political operative PACs. Um, they're pro-Trump. They are some of them have connections to some alt-right organizations. Some of them have been seen uh, giving speeches and tweeting things from the QAnon um, like conspiracy theory. In fact, one of the doctors, there's a there's a, a video of her that was surfaced where she talks about her quote, how long are we going to allow the gay agenda, secular humanism, Illuminati, and the demonic new world order oh. destroy our homes, families, and the social fabric of America? That speech was uh, given in the last couple of years. This is not something that was like from the 80s. And so th- actually this video was so bad, so much propaganda, so false, that Facebook, Twitter, Instagram all took it down of their platforms. They scrubbed it. And even Facebook, <laughs> even Facebook, believe it or not. And 
Twitter deleted President Donald Trump who retweeted the video. Donald Donald Trump Jr.? No, our president. Okay, so they deleted that tweet because I know do- his tweet. son has also been given restrictions on social uh-huh. media for some of the things that he's been retweeting. I will say, if you are going to... If you really want to get out of a conversation at a dinner party, mention the Illuminati. Because it really does seem like that is the red flag for everybody being like, oh, no, this person's crazy. Oh, no. Oh, oh. And then they follow it up with a gay agenda. And you're like, oh, oh, no. Oh, Oh, I have to go slam my face into a toilet seat right now. (laughs) I'm so right. I haven't. I haven't slammed my finger in a car door recently. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, and then, but then also I wanted to, before we go, talk about this new vaccine test that's happening because there are about 30,000 people that are participating in this new vaccine study or vaccine test. And how did we not become two of those people? I know, you know, they were when they were talking about this yesterday and I was, you know, doing all of my homework and reading about it, whatever. There are quite a few media personalities who are a part what? of this study and what the hell, man? cbs actually had some of the people that are part of the cbs like nightly news team be some of the people who get this so then they can what track them and report on it as they go like if they develop symptoms and whatever so <gasps> this is the moderna vaccine and last week we talked a lot about and the one that was the making oxford. really big news was the oxford uh-huh. vaccine uh-huh. there's actually like 27 different companies working on vaccines so but the two you're going to hear most about this is the moderna one it's the one that got the big 1.5 billion dollar infusion from donald trump's operation warp speed right and it's an american-based company they've actually never made vaccines before <clears throat> Cool. But they have made some other really everything. Right. There's true. And it's it's doesn't mean they won't do it right, but there's lots of technology that they've come up with and they're really sort of innovators in the healthcare space. So they have now come gotten to phase three human clinical trials with now thirty thousand individuals. Those people got vaccinated this are getting vaccinated now that started yesterday. And then they'll need a booster in 28 days. And then we have to watch them for about six months to see if they develop the antibodies and the T cells. So it's very exciting that we've actually moved on to phase three human clinical trials. But we're still far, far away from this being us going back to normal. Mm, yeah. Well, I will say that I I know a few people who decided to try and buy stock in Moderna once they were like, we're the ones who are going to try to come up with a vaccine. Uh-huh. So I hope that some of those 30,000 people aren't some of those people. Because <laughs> that, I feel be. like they're like, no, I'm fine. Everything's it's, it's a great. goal. Look it's at all these great. antibodies. Right. Whoa. <laughs> I didn't need this arm. I didn't. <laughs> when we get back, Emmy noms. We're going to go over the Emmy noms, okay? Emmy noms. And I know you miss Emmy, the producer. Um, she is not in... If she was in my apartment right now, I'd make her eat while she uh, releases the Emmy nominations. But we'll get to those next. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. New Channel Q. James Simmons, Allie Johnson. Allie Johnson, James Simmons. And Jesse, producer, who is not Emmy producer. And no, it's... It's sad, though we love Jesse Producer mm, 10 to 13% of the time. Emmy did a really fun bit when the Emmy nominations would come out mm-hmm. called Emmy Noms, Emmy Noms, something like Emmy that. Emmy Noms, the Emmy Noms. Yeah, Emmy yeah. would just eat granola bars while she explained who had been nominated <laughs> for the Emmys, which was a, which was, I mean, <laughs> it was tough if you really are not into people chewing. 
Uh, if, <laughs> if the sounds bother you, then right. it was not your favorite segment. But if you're into ASMR, it probably was one of your favorite segments. We did have yeah. some requests for it. So unfortunately, I'm sad that we won't have we won't be able to do that. And Jesse Noms, the Emmy Noms, definitely doesn't have the same ring to not, it. Not the same ring. Although we could we could come up with something for Jesse doing the Emmy Noms. We, we'll, we have a year to think about it because <laughs> the Emmy nominations did come out this morning, um, as they do on this particular Tuesday, um, most years. And this is for the 72nd Annual Emmy Awards, which are uh, going to be sort of a virtual event. Uh, one of those things that that will happen the i think they're gonna run the voting runs through the end of august and the show is scheduled you know they do the creative arts emmys and all those different things it all happens in mid-september the actual emmys themselves are set to be broadcast on september 20th on abc the the emmy nomination is always super fun you know i think a few years ago when tiffany haddish did the emmy nominations it's her trying to read people's names. Do you remember that went viral? It was really great. Oh, she, yeah. she couldn't remember how to say, um, uh, uh, Daniel, oh, I forgot his name now too, but she couldn't say someone's name and she remembered she was like, oh, he know how to say his name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which everyone was like, you ruined his moment, right? Like how many times do people's names get announced in an Emmy nomination? And Daniel, it was uh, uh, the lead for Get Out and I can't believe I'm, blanking on his name right now. He actually tweeted back. He was like, I would love nothing more than for Tiffany Tiffany Haddish to butcher my name anytime. Like, I'm honored. <laughs> it was really great. I mean, yeah, it's definitely better than uh, Adele Nazim. Do you remember when John Travolta did that? No, wait, he did what? Oh, Adina Menzel won an award and oh, he was presenting that's it. Right. <laughs> it was a few years ago and he was like, Adele Nazim. And everyone was like, what? <laughs> that's not even... And so it's, it's very different. <laughs> Tiffany Haddish messing up somebody's name is definitely better. Daniel Kaluuya, um, that's right. Uh, oh, Daniel, okay. Yeah, yeah, from uh, Get Out and and um, Black Panther. But this year, uh, actually, a, a really amazing pre- presenters, Leslie Jones, uh, Laverne Cox, Josh Gad, and Tatiana Maslany, um, along oh. with the chairman of, of the Television Academy, Frank Sherma, announced the awards. And these... Let's get right to it. I feel like we're the Emmys, right? We're going to be three hours until we get to the awards. Some of these nominations are great, Allie. Yeah, I'm actually impressed. So a drama series, uh, Better Call Saul, The Crown, Handmaid's Tale, Killing Eve, The Mandalorian, Ozark, Stranger Things, and Succession. These are all shows that I'm sure everyone has binged by now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm really super mega ultra excited about the um, the uh, Mandalorian for sure. And comedy series, a lot of the same sort of hitter, heavy hitters that you've seen before. Kaminsky, Masked, Curb Your Enthusiasm, uh, Dead to Me on Netflix, which is Hell fantastic. Yes. Such a good show. So, so is Insecure. Um, Shit's Creek. Yep. Issa Rae and um, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Of course, man. This is every year they get nominated. I'm glad that's uh, what we do in the shadows got nominated too. I haven't seen that yet, but I really do want to see it. Um, so it's funny because these nominations, I feel like when they were out in the years previous, and I feel like with the Academy Awards too, it was like, I've not seen that. Wait, I haven't seen that. Wait, what's that one? I've never heard of it. Uh, this year, because everyone's had time on their hands, they're like, yep, 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 yep. yep, yep seen yep, it, seen yep. it. <laughs> I will have to say from a, a, a diversity and inclusion standpoint, um, you know, it does look like that there's there's quite a few more uh, actors of color. Better, right. Um, which is really uh, impressive. For the actor and comedy series, Anthony Anderson, Don Cheadle, um, Rami Youssef, all three yeah. were were nominated among Ted Danson, Michael Douglas, and Eugene Levy. Um, some some really Tracy Ellis Ross, Issa Rae, um, 
for best actress. So it's nice. It's nice to see this that there are there are much more representation that doesn't feel token from really high quality shows from really high quality professionals that are being recognized for their work. Definitely. And uh, Billy Porter nominated for Best Lead Actor in a Drama Series for his role in Pose. Um, And RuPaul's Drag Race nominated for Best Reality Competition Program. So it's definitely a step in the right direction. It's nice to see a little more uh, a little more representation this year in the Emmys. So um, keep if you have not binged all of these, I'm sure you will by the time by the time September 20th or 21st or whatever uh, September 20th rolls around. So um when we come back what are we getting to oh yes there is a new pet trend that is making the rounds in the united states it's not a dog it's not a cat it's not a bee farm we'll talk about it next drop the subject the new channel q hello welcome Meow, woof, and bok bok to some of you because if you are, (laughs) (laughs) is is that a chicken? Yeah, kinda. Is that a chicken? Chickens say bagok, don't they? I think so. Yeah, yeah, they do. (laughs) I remember learning that when I was six months old. (laughs) Oh yeah, you remember being six months old? Yeah, you know, I remember uh playing. You know, with those like the animal says blue, and I was like, oh, this is so. This is so trivial. <laughs> You're like, can we move on? Fake news. Can, can we move on? <laughs> Fake news. Uh, so isn't that their um, animal is the rooster? The, oh, is it the right fake news? No, the, no, no, no. Fox what's news? the right? What's the right wing? Uh, no, don't the they have donkey. an animal? Oh, no, the no they're elephants. Okay. No, I don't oh. remember who's. No, who's elephants. Who's. Come on, elephants definitely would not be Republicans. Their elephants are totally Republicans. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. Babar, you too? Okay. <laughs> the reason that we bring up animals is because there's a new animal trend in the times of COVID. And it's not, I mean, it's not the same as people adopting like wolf hybrids during Game of Thrones. It's not the same as adopting mini pigs. This is we're kind of going back to farmland times mm. for some people. Um, except if you're a rich white lady, you're going back into farm times. Uh, take a listen. <laughs> it's the latest and perhaps unlikeliest COVID-19 trend, raising chickens. Good girl, Buffy. Connecticut mom of three, Tara Cook Littman, <laughs> bought 14 chickens when her state went into lockdown. 14? Okay, there's so many things wrong so far. <laughs> Number one, she bought 14 chickens. Right, like two. (laughs) Just jump right in. Not one, 14. I'm going all in. I'm not even going to do a baker's dozen of chickens. I'm going to do more of that, more than that. And I'm going to name them names like Buffy. Stop it. She's named them Buffy. Yeah, I mean, let, let's go back and listen because she said, uh, bu- I think she says Buffy. Unlikeliest COVID 19 trend raising chickens. Good girl, Buffy. Can- <gasps> okay. Buffy does not look happy about her name. And I, I don't think that Buffy would like to know that she's being named after a 90s TV show, but uh-huh. that's what you do when you're a mother of three in Connecticut. Connecticut mom of three, Tara Cook Littman, bought 14 chickens when her state went into lockdown. It raised the question for me how I was going to feed my family. Stop it. No, come on. 
This is not the zombie apocalypse. I know that we were out of some chicken sometimes. I could only buy two packages of turkey kielbasa sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, we all had to, you know, use tree leaves as toilet paper for a couple of weeks. But this was not like, how am I going to feed my family? Don't, not at any point, particularly in a place like Connecticut, where it did get really bad, by the way. Did anyone ever get to the place of like, I, I mean, let me, let me, let me rephrase. I mean, we're making a lot of assumptions about this woman. If she can afford to buy 14 chickens and a coop and all this stuff to feed them, she probably could afford food anywhere. There are some people in America who, because they lost their jobs later on, had to go to food banks and do things like that. Food insecurity is a real thing. I'm not saying that. But when you're like rich white lady from the suburbs of Connecticut, you don't need to worry about how am I going to feed my family? See, my my thing is that I'm so confused about her thought process in general, where if I was if I say say all of the following were true, she's in covid times and she is quite literally unsure about how to feed her family. Let's consider that that's a real reality for her. Okay. Buying 14 chickens does not seem like a solution to that problem. Because <laughs> that not seems like, you like complicating the and the your right. Out. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. I'm not like that's what I'll do. I'll raise chickens. <laughs> like I, I, I don't know. That's not what that wouldn't be my first it's, it's go kind of to. A big jump, yeah. It is, and I have gardens, but uh, didn't have a way to give my family eggs, and I couldn't go to the supermarket. So this really showed me how important it is to become even more self-sustaining. They're so cute. All right. Now, this is this is white lady crack here. (laughs) She's like caressing and hugging the chickens. And the chickens are like, oh, I can't. Come on, Karen. But listen. All right. So I'm all for this is Chandler and this is Rachel. (laughs) I'm all for like going back to like we need to find ways to be more sustainable. Like we can't. We can't solely rely on supermarkets and other people and whatever. Like we should, you know, working on growing our own foods and things like that and community gardens and all of that. I get it. I get it. I get it. This dish does just seem to be like an awfully dramatic sort of <laughs> like like your response to a global viral pandemic was to buy chickens. Right. So so I'm thinking like the, the same mentality to me is, oh, Okay, hold on. My my house is full of flies. I'm going to buy 14 spiders. Mm, mm-hmm. And I'm going to have them make webs in my house and kill all the flies. Like it's just such a roundabouty way to solve a problem that yeah. I don't necessarily think work. But these kids do look very happy about having a little chicken coop out in their backyard. Okay. And it does give the kids something to do. Inside Edition reporter Allison Hall found the family's backyard has been turned into a small chicken farm. You haven't been able to get eggs from them yet? No eggs yet. They're still too young. We're hoping by the end of August. Okay, so the, the sad part is that this family has not had eggs. All, all, I mean, it's been since March that they've had eggs because she said that she couldn't get eggs. <laughs> and now she has the chickens, but they're too young to make eggs. So these kids, I don't know what these kids have been eating for breakfast. Right, I mean, well, how dare they not have eggs for six months? Oh, okay, so listen. I think I feel like maybe this was just some creative editing or some things got edited out. If if she thought in a gestalt sort of way, in a larger, <laughs> bigger picture sort of way, how sustainably going forward for other pandemics, the zombie apocalypse, you know, surging food prices, all of these things, trying to be better on the environment, how can I keep feeding my family in the long term? 
Okay, fine. If you got the land and the resources to get you some 14 chickens, that's fine, boo. Go on ahead and do it. But this like, oh my God, we're shutting down the state. There's a viral pandemic. I don't know how to feed my family. Right now, I'm going to go buy 14 chickens. I still, <laughs> I still don't get it. We will actually have eggs from these chickens. One chicken can lay 300 eggs a year, and their egg-producing years can last as long as seven years. That's 2,100 eggs. Now that's a pet that earns her keep. Tracy Torres is CEO of My Pet Chicken, which... Oh, Lord. Okay, we got to go. This is uh, this has been dropped the subject. I don't think I'm going to be jumping on this trend, even though I do love animals. Uh, I will wait for another animal that's maybe that, that maybe doesn't crap all over my yard. Plus, I don't even have a yard. So uh, when we get back, more drop the subject. Don't go anywhere. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. Channel Q. Allie Johnson. James Simmons. I saw a meme the other day, Ali, that was the the meme of the year. Quote of the year is, you're still on mute. It's still (laughs) happening here. I dropped the subject with Jesse Producer, Mm -hmm. who is on mute. What may also be muted, unfortunately, in sort of a different way, is the Major League Baseball season. We are now only six days into Major League Baseball season. And the first of what many predicted might be several different outbreaks of COVID-19 among uh, teams has already happened. Uh, a dozen Marlin players and staff, more than there, so 14, 11 players, three staff, have tested positive for COVID 19. This happened while they were in Philadelphia playing the Phillies. They also have been in three other stadiums since this started. So it stranded the team in Philadelphia right now. And wow. their home opener was supposed to be against Baltimore last night. That got canceled. Their next games got canceled, and the Philadelphia Phillies were supposed to play the New York Yankees in that series opener, also on Monday night in Philly, but the Yankees canceled that because the Yankees were going to have been in the same clubhouse that the Marlins were in. So this is, see the trickle effect of what's going on here, that all of, you know, everything that's happening you know, with, with major league baseball and, and people were originally sort of applauding baseball and saying, all right, you guys have a pretty good protocol system in place. Let's see if this works. And here we are only six days into the reopening of the major league baseball Mm -hmm. season, or I guess the major league baseball season in general, they never really started. And uh, we already have this issue. Well, and it seemed like the MLB was going to be one of the more successful sports to resume because obviously the NFL has much more of a contact on and basketball is much more of a contact sport. Um, not to say baseball's not, but you know you've got your nine men on the field and they they're usually about six, you know, more than six feet apart at any given time. So yeah. you're like, okay, well, you know. But then of course in the dugout they're all spitting all over each other and they're patting each other on the bottom, so that could affect things a little bit and does it make you think that the marlins are doing something differently in the sense that okay they're the florida team florida's had some pretty bad cases um but i mean the la at los angeles is one of the worst cities as well and the dodgers seem to be doing okay so far so what are the marlins doing that's different than what all the other teams are doing yep i think there's there's thought process that one of the staff members um, on the team plane 
was licking Rick everyone's Lamar faces. Was was coming over and coughing at everyone's face. Was, was licking everyone's <laughs> nose. No, guys, good luck. Good luck. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> good luck. Uh, no, that one of the staff members on the plane, on the team plane, may have you know infected everyone. Like getting on and off the plane because there's some arguments about whether or not being on the plane is actually safe because of HEPA filters. That still remains to be seen. Um, but either way, I mean, this just speaks to we know how contagious this disease can be if someone has a really high viral load. So it doesn't matter. This is what sort of this willful ignorance about like what we do know about things like football, for instance. So the rookies reported last weekend. Everyone else is is supposed to start reporting to training camp like veterans report to training camp today. And full contact practices are supposed to start in the next two to three weeks. And so you know, they have this protocol in the NFL that, you know, the first couple of days are just going to be like COVID testing and virtual meetings, but like at the practice facilities. Okay. And then starting August 1st, physicals and equipment distribution. So then guys are going to start being around each other more. And then August 3rd to the 11th, they're doing this sort of like acclimation period where they're like, People are going to be around each other, like one hour of weights and one hour of like on-field conditioning. And then everyone goes and goes into small groups of under 15, capped at two hours, do their own sort you know, specialty. The receivers will go together. The, the linemen will go together, all that stuff. These are large athletes breathing and sweating all over each other. I don't care. The virus doesn't know that this is an acclimation period and she's supposed to just back off. You know, I, I, I still don't understand how the NFL is still charging forward with things. Essentially, they're just going to test everybody at first and then let them play. But these players are still going home. They're still interacting with their families, with the public. This makes absolutely no sense to me, Allie. Well, and I mean, you have to assume that everybody's being responsible. And we all, all know 1700 that players. Exactly. And, and, and 1700 staff. And yeah. Yes. Come so on. you have to assume if you're going to create this little bubble and you're going to test everybody, that everybody is going to continue to be responsible after being tested. But that bubble doesn't stay a bubble. There's one. It just takes right. one person to yep. walk outside of the bubble and then the whole bubble is burst. So. Yep. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And even well, in a place like the like NBA that has an actual bubble, there still have been a few instances of like, you right. know, the virus sort of sneaking in. Like the virus is going to do what the virus is going to do. Like the virus is in charge. Have we not learned this? Let's bring back badminton. That's a simple one. <laughs> Let's just super get into badminton. How's that? And, and you have to say it like that too. Badminton. badminton and a shuttlecock. That's our future. We'll be right back with News It or Lose It. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject presents News It or Lose It. News It or Lose It time. I've got three headlines. James, let me hear it. Nice. Oh, that's that's you're getting for the compliments kids, by the on way. your bell choices. Yeah, the kids were like, we need to step up our bell game. Like, all right, fine. I, I got it. I got it. I'm on it. All right. All right. Here's your first headline. Mystery seeds from China are landing in American mailboxes. <laughs> the I'm agriculture in. wars. Right. OK. Uh, headline number two. Mexico City bans conversion therapy. Oh, that's awesome. That is super. Isn't it? Just Mexico City or the whole country? Uh, You know, it says Mexico City. Huh. So if they could just cross out city, that would be great. Let's explore. Okay. And then finally, headline number three, 
Here's how to keep your brain younger for longer. Hint, oh, two. <laughs> oh, two. Two. Uh, no, I'm going to pass on this one. I, you know what? We know that a little bit of oxygen goes a long way, but point is a little bit of oxygen. Little, little O2. People, don't be sucking on oxygen all the damn time. Because then the problem is your brain thinks it's normal. And then if you're always sucking on oxygen and then you're not around oxygen, you then can like go into respiratory distress because your body's like, I'm drowning because this is not, I'm not getting the normal amount of oxygen. Does that make sense? Oh, no. Yeah, so we actually like, like very active methods to get people off of oxygen as soon as possible in the hospital environment. So what we don't need is people running around sucking on oxygen all the time that don't need it. So oxygen bars are not a good thing in the long run. I mean, every now and then it's fine. It's not going to hurt anything if you spend a few minutes on it. But it no, don't don't be like camping out at the oxygen bar every day. Huh. Interesting. All right. Well, we lost it, but we got to ask the NP at the last second. Let's get into these stories. Let's talk about the mystery seeds from China that are ending up in American mailboxes. Huh. There are some agriculture officials. I didn't even know that, but there are. And they are in multiple states issuing warnings about unsolicited shipments of Chinese seeds, advising people not to plant them, which, of course, makes me really want to plant them. Want to plant them. (laughs) (laughs) The types of seeds are unknown and could be harmful, stressing that they should not be planted. They said, we don't know what they are and we cannot risk any harm whatsoever to agriculture production in the United States. We have the safest, most abundant food supply in the world, and we need to keep it that way. But what if this is like a cool, this is like the tomato plant, which is about, but in like a really cool hybrid plant. We have no idea until we try. We, we have no idea until we try. This is the problem, though, right? When people, like when they introduced whatever some sort of creature was into New Zealand and it wiped out the entire population of like native New Zealand lizards or whatever the thing is, right? You know, when you, you fly to New Zealand, your mm-hmm, entire, mm-hmm. all your luggage, you, the plane gets sprayed down. So, like, this is uh, being a kiddo who grew up in Nebraska. I totally get the sensitivity of some plants and things, and you can't, you got to be really, really careful with that. But also, so if we figured out that these chi seeds are from China, or we're assuming because I'm guessing there's Chinese language written on the outside of the seeds, and the uh, the packages appear to have originated from China. Okay, so if that's the case, why can't we figure out what the seed is? Like, does the Department of Agriculture is like a multi-billion dollar, like, federal organization. Can't they plant this in a plot, you know, a right. pot they're like a farm, f- and then, yeah. like, see what they're, it is? <laughs> right, right. I mean, if a pharmacist can look at a pill and be like, that's hydroxychloroquine, of an agriculture expert should be like a pharmacist, but like a literal farm, like farm <laughs> like a assist. F-A-R-M. Like assist. you should be able to look at a seed and be like, that's a wildflower or well, that's a daisy. I, I no, mean, maybe. I don't know. Pharmacists <laughs> are pretty, pretty awesome people, but sometimes it's all these pills look alike. I mean, I I, I want to give the, the Department of Agriculture a little bit of credit here. But like if this has been <laughs> happening for long enough for you to issue some sort of report and go around to different states and tell people not to plant them, can't you have figured out what this is by now? True. And. You know, I know that it's not a good idea to plant them necessarily, but what would have happened if that advice had been taken by Jack and his beanstalk? There would be no beanstalk. <laughs> there would be no giant adventures, and that would be sad times. <laughs> and then there would have, right? There'd be no giant adventures ever. <laughs> right? No fee, fi, fo, or fum. Exactly. All of the fees and the foes would be gone. Let's talk about Mexico City. Mexico City has become the latest municipality to ban anti-LGBTQ conversion therapy. 
This was in a virtual session. Uh, the Mexican capital's regional congress voted to criminalize efforts to change an individual's sexual orientation or gender identity. Um, nice. So, uh, yeah, I, I think this is a good start. They said over the past few years, they've come to know many. Uh, oh, this is one of the people who spoke at the um, at the hearing. Over the past few years, I've come to know many, too many stories about LGBTQ people who have survived conversion therapy and torture or who have stepped away from their families who believed they could and should change. It's exciting to witness this historic win. Our community deserves love and respect. Aww. So hopefully this will continue throughout more of Mexico. Yeah, that's great. Very, very exciting, uplifting, positive I mean, there's positive 8. 8 million people in that city. Yeah. Uh, well, is it the metro area? Like almost 30 million or something crazy like that? Like it's the third or fourth fourth largest metro area in the world wow like that's crazy yeah that's crazy well so step in the right direction uh when we come back what direction are we stepping in next oh yeah you're the worst am i ha ha no not you not you but there's somebody who uh did not spend his ppp loan money very well and (laughs) we'll have another story to compare to a fight broke out on a plane who is the worst you choose after this Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Well, in the times of COVID and just in 2020 in general, we really are seeing people's true colors. Hi, this is Drop the Subject with Allie and James. And this uh, this is a segment that we do regularly here on the show. We've done it before. And I imagine as long as people act like idiots, we will be able to... uh, have plenty more opportunities <laughs> to play it. Um, you know, yeah. people are really which losing their forever. filters. Yeah, which will probably be forever, but people yeah. are especially annoying this year. And that's mm. why we highlight the worst of the worst in a new segment called You're the Worst. Let me tell you first that you are the worst. Oh, and not not as in me, right? You're not saying you are as in James is the worst? No, no, no. I mean, it's more like who is worse. You know, we present, we each present a story of someone doing something really awful and a bunch of people getting pissed off at them for doing said thing. And then we talk about which one is worse and why. Excellent. Oh, I've got a great, great story about someone who is hands down the worst, Allie. Why don't you kick it off then, James? So David T. Hines. Oh, worst. Done. Oh, the worst. That's it. Done. He got $4 million in COVID-19 relief loans from the uh, federal government for his ailing South Florida moving business. The first thing he bought with the $4 million for his ailing South Florida moving business was a super luxury Lamborghini Huracan Evo. Oh, well, those are the best uh, vehicles to move in. You know, if you really want to fit a lot of things in your... They don't really go and... Yeah, Lamborghinis. <laughs> Could you fit like one UPS box in there and then you're like, all right, the trunk's full. You get a piece of mail. <laughs> and just like, put it in the trunk. That's a it. A Val Pack car- savings coupon. <laughs> right, the newspaper. This car is worth, uh, well, he bought it for $318,000. This obviously was not on the list of permissible expenses under the Small Business Administration Loan Program meant to protect employees and cover, you know, <sighs> like legitimate costs like rent during the coronavirus pandemic. So this is what happened. This guy applied for that loan, the, the the PPP loans, where he was able to, he stated that he had almost $4 million in monthly um, salary expenses for his movers. Across, He's got four different like locations around South Florida. That seems well, high. Yeah. $4 million a month for your four, small moving business company? $4 million a month. 
Turns out it's really only about $200,000 a month. <laughs> okay, that sounds right. <laughs> he applied for the loan through the Bank of America because what was happening is is people were applying through these loans through the banks. And since the federal government promised to guarantee the loans, a lot of banks aren't reviewing the loans very closely. So this is why you hear these stories keep happening. So he was like, yep, my monthly payroll expenses are $4 million. This is how much I need. He actually applied for $14 million, got $4 million. The reason they found out that he bought a Lamborghini for three hundred, almost $319,000 with some of his $4 million loan from the government was that he was in a hit and run accident on oh. July 11th. <laughs> he hit someone with said Lamborghini, drove off. People got the license plate. The police found the car that night and impounded it. And they followed the money. And if you follow the money, you find the crime. So not only did this uh. guy... You know, there are people like me who still don't have any loan money, even though my was not working much this spring and they're putting me through the ringer just to get a little bit of money. And this guy is able to get four million dollars from lying and buy a three hundred nineteen thousand dollar Lamborghini and then put it in a hit and run accident alley. Okay, the worst. Okay, I've got one that could be worse. That's still very bad, though. Uh, There was a passenger who was on a flight because, hey, you know, some people have decided I'm going to travel. I got to get out of the house. I can't take it anymore. Some are actually taking those little summer vacations. Now, Uh this was a flight that was leaving San Juan. And so I don't know if uh, how many people were on this plane. I would imagine it was still not fully at capacity. But everyone boarded the flight. They were very excited They're, and probably feeling a little nervous, high anxiety, you know, when you're in a, a situation where you're around a lot of other people. Uh, you know, I, I think most people were wearing masks. One woman was not wearing a mask. In fact, she was just wasted and decided <laughs> she wanted to cause a ruckus on the plane, which Fun. is so 2019. Hello. I mean, it isn't it, though? It is. So... The, the flight attendants started going over and talking to her. She started getting belligerent. Then they said, okay, you know what? You should get off the plane. And then she refused to get off the yeah. plane, caused so much of a ruckus that they had to cancel the entire flight. Oh my and gosh. then they broke out into a fight in the lobby area after getting <laughs> off the flight. And this is what that sounded like. Oh I mean, that sounds like a lot of people, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, or so, one drunk lady on a plane. Yeah, so if you're going to get COVID, I would recommend it's not because you punched a drunk lady on a plane. Um, Still, I mean, to be the one lady that has to get so drunk that you're canceling an entire flight and possibly a vacation for many people. Um, So what do you think? Who's the worst in your book? Uh, I feel like maybe it's because I have a personal connection. You know, not very nice man who hits and runs in his $319,000 Lamborghini because you cheated the government out of $4 million is way worse because you can book another flight. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it's a contest. Uh, that guy really, really sucks. Uh, and he had a douche 42 license plate. Yeah, David T. Hines, you suck. You're the worst this week. Uh, more Drop the Subject when we come back. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. Well, here's what we know. It's Drop the Subject. It's Allie. It's James. And mm. it's coronavirus times. And that means that there's a lot that we don't know. As far as what's open, what's closed. And that's why we play a fun new game, Dr. James Simmons, called Open Close. Open Close, Open Close. Everybody touch your eyes. Mm, With a high quality intro, as always. 
This is where we go. my head the rest of the week. (laughs) Everybody touch your eyes and then you're going to see someone. No, don't do it. Ah, Don't. No, stop. This is, uh, it's fun times because you look through Yelp, whether, I mean, we're in California, but people are listening from all over the place, Boston and Chicago and and Florida and all kinds of different places, right? So, uh, and everywhere in between, which means that there's plenty of places that we could look into and find out whether they are open or closed. There's so much confusion now. It seems even calling doesn't always give you an answer. But we have some listings here, and so we thought we'd take a couple of them and just not go down the list and find out what is open and what is closed. Our first one that we're going to get into right now, right here on Drop the Subject, James, Coit Tower in San Francisco, a very popular tourist destination. I believe Uh there are some negative reviews on Yelp, which is surprising for a tower. Are they specific? It's just too tall. It's too tall. It's (laughs) it's so so many stairs. The view is overrated. So Coit Tower is obviously a place that you want to go to if you want to knock that off your bucket list of places you went in San Francisco. Um, But the question is, is it open? What are your thoughts? I'm going to go ahead and go with closed. Mm, Okay, you're going completely closed. I'm going to say that it's open, but it's like Trader Joe's open where they have a long line outside and they're doing Uh temperature checks and they're doing sanitation before and after a very, very, very clean process that they that's very San Francisco. It's like, all right, we've got this figured out. It's a well-oiled machine at this point. But let's find out. James says Coit Tower is closed. I'm saying open and I'm looking at the phone number here. So let's give it a call. We're sorry. You've reached a number that has been disconnected or is no longer in service. Oh, air, Please check your number and try your call again. What? We're sorry. You- You've reached a number that has been disconnected or is no longer in service. That's it. It's one ring and this is disconnected. So close we- and we're permanently? Sure that that's the right number. I mean, I don't know. Jesse pulled this information, so it's extremely oh, possible oh, that it's not the well, accurate number. Come on. I mean, that's part of it right there. We Are we going to have to just, like, Google the number for Coit Tower just to see, like, what is there, if they're open or not? I, I why can't don't, even imagine that. Why don't you do a little Googling while I tell you about our next listing? Okay, please. Oh, okay. yeah. I'm excited about the next listing. Okay. Kentucky Horse Park. Uh, KYHorsepark.com, which is not as Whoa. erotic as it sounds. Hey. Um, <laughs> I would imagine they had to fight for that domain. But this place, obviously, is in Kentucky. And it's an equine theme park. Tina from Bob's Burgers would be over the moon about this place. It is all things horse. There's a horseback trail and pony ride excursion. You can visit horse country, which I assume is a lot of lawn. Oh. Uh-huh. Oh. You can also look at, there's a little horse museum. Uh, you can Mu- check out museum. the <laughs> museum. And then also listed <laughs> on the attractions is a show jumping hall of fame. Don't know what that oh, like is. Jumping horse, got it. Yeah, yeah. Show like jumping. horse jumping. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. you can yep. camp there. You can work there. There's a t- tab for employment, so that's encouraging. Uh, they have all kinds of attractions as far as the history of thoroughbred bred horses and much more. Uh, I have not clicked the visit tab. Do you think this is open? I don't know. Oh, this one is really tough, but I'm gonna say that 
we know we don't really have human to species transmission that happens very easily at all. So the horses are protected. So are the people you can ride a mask. You can ride a mask. You can ride a horse with a mask. Um, (laughs) So maybe partial, I'm going to say partially open. Okay. Partially open. I think this is going to be fully open because I feel like I was actually hiking the other day and I saw a horse tour, like legit horse tour. Hey, let's all get on horses and do horse excursions. I feel like there's enough space where they're just going to be willy nilly, um, you know, open, (laughs) open, 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 uh, Uh even in the museum. So let's find out. Let's give them a call. So nervous. Ooh, two rings. Hello? Who's this? Hello, this Hi. is Cunningham Golf at the Kentucky Horse Park. Ah, Kentucky Horse Park. Yes, this is Allie and James from Drop the Subject. Are you open? Yeah, right now we are. We'll be open until 6 o'clock. Are you okay? Are you open completely? You can pet the horses and drive around and, 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 and do all the classes? Um... So, are are you are you related to the show right now? Like, do you guys have a horse competing? Uh, yes. It's a horse show. Okay. I mean, if 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 you guys have a horse here, um, then you can rent a golf cart and go to all of the events, I believe. Um, yeah. But if if you're if you're not directly related to the horse, I think it's kind of frowned upon at the moment. Okay. And does the horse need to have a mask on? Um, I, I don't think so, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do the horses need to be, you know, checked for their fevers or you need to do the nostril test? Is How are the horses being tested? I, I, I honestly have no idea what they're doing for the horses. I, I know that the, um, all, all of the farms and, and, yeah, individual farms are responsible for taking temperatures of their own people, uh, but for horses, mm-hmm. I do not Okay. Know. Yeah, I'll do my own thing then. My horse uh, prefers rectal exams. Thank you so much. Okay, yeah, no problem. There you go. Open. And no reaction. No reaction. No reaction okay, to rectal. rectal, great. Exam. Okay, all right, fine. <laughs> like, uh, sure, yeah. All right, so if you want to visit a horse theme park, that is open. This has been Open Closed with Drop the Subject when we come back just the Tip Tuesday. Drop the Subject, the new Channel Q. Oh, boy. Open, closed. (laughs) Drop the Subject, Allie and James. Another thing that we do besides get songs stuck in your head, open, closed, get stuck in your head, is on Tuesdays. We review some items just to make your life a little bit better, a little bit happier, a little bit more exciting. Uh, Some hacks, if you will, life hacks. Although I think in 2017, we were told to stop using those words. My apologies. But we do do a thing called uh, Just the Tip Tuesday. That's true. And this is a very useful Just the Tip Tuesday because a lot of people in quarantine or lockdown, I'm going to say both of them at once. Ha ha. Ah. They are using this time to improve upon their own lives, right? Look inward, uh, do some reflecting, maybe pick up a self-help book or two. So we thought we would share for just the Tip Tuesday. uh, This is a Mashable article. Got to give credit where credit's due uh, from a guy named Chris Taylor or a girl. Chris is a girl's name, too. Uh, Every self-help book ever boiled down into 11 steps. (laughs) This is amazing. I feel like... Chris should have just published this as a book and then just be done. Like shut down right. an $11 billion industry, right? Just a lot. Final book. It's all you need. 
Don't don't buy anything else. Here we go. I would tell you that if this came out in a book form, it would replace many books on our shelf. <laughs> and yes. the, our shelf would have a lot more room yeah, on it. Yeah. So let's start with number one, which is something that I think is... I, I mean, I think a lot of people know about this already, but creating small ha- small but manageable goals and changing your habits little by little, mm-hmm. right? If you think of it as this big overwhelming, oh my God, I have to change my entire life, can be overwhelming and you set yourself up for failure if you take on too much too quickly. But having these baby steps and just changing little things about your daily habits, that goes a long way. It, it really does. And this, I mean, this started off, you know, most famously with the seven habits of highly effective people, Stephen Covey, who is somewhat problematic. Uh, but that book, you know, has exploded and now there's book clubs and meetings and law online groups or whatever. But there are two books that are also listed here that I've read both of them, by the way, The Power of Habit and Atomic Habits, which have come out in the past two years and atomic meeting at the level of an atom, like habits that small. So instead of this is a perfect example of this one of the taking a small step. He instead of like being like, I'm going to ride the bike every morning for 45 minutes, you know, uh, just start with the habit of just putting your bike shoes at the foot of your bed. That's it. Just do that oh. for a week. That's really? It. And then that's it. And then the next week, put your you have your shoes. at the, So now you've gotten in the habit over a week of putting your bike shoes at the end of the bed. Then just put them on, put them on and then take them off and then go about your day. So you're just walking around with those little clippy clip shoes? Well, no, no. You put them on just for like a few moments and then take them off and then go about oh, okay. your day. So anyway, this is a... And, no, like clop, and clop, 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 clop like, Right, right. But you build upon this. And the next thing you know, in a month, you're riding the bike for half an hour every morning without, without even thinking about it. And it really kind of works. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Number two is one that I'm more familiar with. Uh, this is the law of attraction. It's the secrets. It's uh, energy flows where attention goes, right? Mm. The idea of changing your mental outlook on life, the power of positive thinking. That's a book from the 50s. But this story has been told in many, many books. It's the idea of changing your mental map or changing the way that you think about life, thinking, hey, if I believe in something, I can achieve it. Having that goal and believing in it instead of instead of feeding the doubt or the fear will allow you to kind of naturally take the steps toward having the things that you want because you really believe that they will happen. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of that that can that is actually comes true. If you ask people over time, they're sort of like, yeah, I actually really believed that I could do this thing. And then I kind of started doing it. I love number three on this list. Struggle is good. Scary is good. This is, I think they, you you know, on this list, they sort of talk about stoicism and sort of being able to like approach. It doesn't always have to be happy. The, the The bad things, the scary things in your life, you can approach them with the same sort of zeal that you would something else. And that that's how we grow. And bottom line, I think we all know this. If you've ever worked out and changed your body, you know that it came with kind of a lot of pain, right? If you've ever learned a new language, it's hard. Like you doing the scary things, doing that thing that you don't want to do, but then doing it and then you realize you survived is is a good thing. That's how you grow. 
Yeah, exactly. That's how you change. And even though change is scary, change is usually always good. It can be starting a new job. That can be very scary, but it can be something that you wanted and it's going to be tough and it's going to be scary. Uh, this is what in the spiritual realm, they say, call sometimes called the shadow self. This the oh. part of you that's afraid or doubts or is telling you bad things about yourself going, no, 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 no. Let's just go back to comfort. Uh, you face that shadow self and you bring her into the light. More Just the Tip Tuesday. Every self-help book boiled down into 11 easy steps when we come back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. Just a Tuesday. Sharing tips, tricks, life hacks, things to make your life better, easier. And boy, this really is making it easier because we are basically summarizing every self-help book in 11 steps. And this is thanks to a Mashable You're article welcome. by by, <laughs> by Chris Taylor, who I don't know if read all of these books. Seems like it would take a lot of time. But hey, you never know what people can do in quarantine. We already talked about a few of them. Let's pick up with number four. Being judgy is bad. That's a pretty... You, it, it's easier said than done, but some people call it empathy, compassion, being the devil's advocate, uh, maybe checking your privilege, something that um, might be on your mind a little more this year, which is good. So having that, t- taking that step back and not judging someone, or I would like to add making assumptions about somebody else. Yeah. And I think those come, those, the immediacy with those is sort of what Chris has really identified from, from Chris reading every single self help book ever was that the eventually you need to make a judgment on a situation or a person. Just don't do it right away. Right. You don't know that person's situation or their story or whatever. So instantaneous or this judgment right away is bad. Um, and I think that also goes for yourself, which sort of, you know, piggybacks me into uh, tip number five. Thinking about yourself at the end of your life. And it's funny, they put, they couch it here. They say, remember the end of your life, which sort of seems counterintuitive. But think about yourself in your 80s, in the nursing home, eating soft food, staring in front of a TV that's droning on. You, you know, in, in, put yourself in that scenario and then look back on your life and think about is this thing that you were thinking about doing? You know, did you want to make that leap? Did you want to do that thing? Or were you just super happy that you stayed in a job that you hated for 60 years or, you know, whatever that thing is in a loveless marriage or any of that stuff, sort of think about yourself at the end of your life and then frame that into how would that person be thinking about what you're doing right now? Mm, Seize the day. Carpe diem. Yeah. Um, Being playful is number six. Not taking yourself too seriously. Okay. You know, I think that this is something that I've dealt with personally is thinking everything is such a big freaking deal when it's really just like, hey man, everything's chill. Everything's cool. I've got a roof over my head. I've got uh, I've got food. I have so many things to be thankful for. Why am I taking everything so damn seriously? Be playful in life. Have fun. That's part of what makes life worth living. It, it is. That's what, you know, why are we... <laughs> Why are we doing any of this anyway if we can't have a little fun with it? And I almost, Allie, maybe that's why you and I work. Because I, sometimes I can be uh, too much the other side of it. I'm always, and even though I'm not much of a stoner, I kind of have a stoner mentality. I'm always like, <laughs> it's all good. Like, right. we'll figure it out, dude. It's chill. It's chill. Ain't nobody getting hurt. And uh, uh, speaking of that philosophy, sort of the next tip is, what is this purpose of life, if you will? And it's not just to be happy, but actually the purpose of life might actually be to be useful to others. Or I would even extend that to say, like, be useful to the world. 
Well, and you know, you you are useful to the world because you're a nurse practitioner and you actually help save lives, right? But something that I feel gives me purpose, and I would hope that you agree with Drop the Subject, is to is to do this show every day. Yeah. That that I find that to be uh, very fulfilling, and you know, I we love to hear from from you guys, from the listeners at DTS Show. We always love to hear from you because we want to feel useful, and if I don't, then what what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> so please, like you know, say something nice to us on Instagram. I'm quitting. I'm quitting. I'm not quitting. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I love this one. This one is the one that can. That wasn't a Freudian slip. No, no, not a Freudian slip. What? A, <laughs> that's funny. One of the things that this gets me sometimes is don't let uh, good be the enemy of great or however that saying goes perfectionism equals procrastination don't i get in the way of my own self sometimes where if i can't do something and it's not perfect then i don't end up doing it and they're saying don't do that just start doing the thing it'll figure itself out yeah uh number nine i totally agree number nine sleep exercise eat chill out and repeat interesting uh number 10 is write it all down yeah I mean, whew, I could fill a, a library with the amount of journals that we have in our apartment. And then number 11, finally, it's the last one. <laughs> this is the probably the funniest one. You can't get it all from reading. So Ironic. boiling all of the self-help <laughs> books into one, it's just that, you know what? Don't you think? What, at the end of the day, you can read all you want, but if you don't practice any of it or if you don't incorporate it, any of it into your life, then you're just reading words and moving on with your day. So... Uh, interesting stuff. Hopefully this helped you. I think it's it's always nice to put some of these things in perspective a little bit. When we come back, what do we have? Oh yeah, I'm gonna ask- put on a bikini. Yes, we're gonna talk about the hashtag Med Bikini in another edition of Ask the NP and a surprise for James. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Drop the subject. Allie and James, Doctor James Simmons, who is a nurse practitioner. He, even before we met, was running the At Ask the NP franchise. I'm going to call it a franchise. Oh, wow. oh my. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just an opportunity for you to ask the NP anything that you are afraid to ask your MD. You can ask him. He will answer all of your questions. 90% of them are poop related, but still, he will answer any of your <laughs> questions. I mean, I'm sure that's changed now. <laughs> Um, oh, you'd still be surprised. Lots and of poop. We, <laughs> so much poop. So, much so um, we have a question for you about a, a recent article that came out about misogyny in the medical field. But I wanted no. to give you. Yeah, mm-hmm, it happens. Uh, I'll tell you all about it. Oh, please. Please <laughs> do, Allie. <laughs> but first of all, I wanted to play you. I, I brought a little surprise for you. Oh, okay. We've been, we've been doing this for a little bit. We've been hanging out for a few months now. We've been doing Ask the NP on a regular basis. And you do not have a an introduction, an intro. Oh, so I have no. made you uh, an intro for Ask the NP. Uh-oh. And it features quotes from my favorite show of all time. Uh-huh. Here is the brand new introduction <gasps> to Ask the NP. You know what happens when a nurse is late? People die. Helen, let's get the party started. (laughs) Nurse, nurse, nurse. What do you think? Oh my God, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You know what happens when a nurse is late? (laughs) (laughs) That is from the nurse episode. It's an episode of. Golden Girls, when uh, Ma is pretending to be injured, they hired a full-time nurse, and she is at Ma's beck and call, and they all hate her. Right. So uh, that's, this is your intro. You know what happens when a nurse is late? 
people die. Helen, let's get the party started. Nurse, nurse, nurse. I also love the like inside edition music you have underneath it or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Oh my so, god, I love it. That's amazing. That's amazing. It's I'm also glad you like it. A little bit triggering because there's whole there's this whole thing about like bullying and nursing, but that's a whole nother um conversation, Allie. Oh no. Do you should I not should <laughs> I was it too much? No, I am over it. I am so over it. Uh, I'm I'm beyond the bullying. Oh, that's okay. a good blog. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, please play it. Thank you. I am flattered and humbled and honored and never late, ever. <laughs> okay. Med bikini. Let's talk about it. Some doctors have been calling out a sexist, a sexist study. And this study came out, I guess, for the first time in 2019, at the end of last year. But they include it was included in a recent edition of this thing called the Journal of Vascular Surgery. I'm going to go ahead and say that's a journal I don't have in my apartment. But um, there was this article about it, it's called Prevalence of Unprofessional Social Media Content Among Vascular Surgeons. There's this whole idea about how surgeons and doctors and nurses and these and these people in the medical field shouldn't be posting pictures of them looking or appearing unprofessional, uh, such as drinking or you know being in a bikini, like things that are considered taboo for doctors and people <laughs> in the medical field. Uh huh. And this is a really, this really, really hits on a very controversial topic, and, and that a lot of people might not think about in sort of medicine and healthcare about our presence on social media and. There's, you know, this is why I don't, you will don't ever really hear me mention where I work. Um, and the two hospitals where I work know about my social media presence and they're completely fine with it, but they also don't want me to have a very specific relationship with them in terms of that. Because sometimes I can be a little bit controversial and some I talk about all the things you're too scared to talk, you know, discuss with mm -hmm. your MD. And we're in such a sort of litigious society right now that it's like, oh, my doctor had a beer for four years ago and that maybe that meant that they were drunk when they were doing my surgery that they screwed up like it's a, it's a really a whole big thing this whole co conversation about medical professionals on social media but what this specifically i think is amazing is it elicited all of these responses from mostly physicians who are women who posted themselves in bikinis and they yeah. were like okay this article showed said that all of these people who were being unprofessional like two-thirds were women and it was mostly women who were doing either things like being in bikinis or drinking right and they're like wait a minute i'm not at work i'm a grown-ass adult I get to drink whatever I want. And oh, by the way, I get to wear a bikini like a normal human being. And the backlash from this with all of these medical professionals posting themselves in bikinis makes me so happy. And they retracted the journal article. Oh, nice. Well, and I'm sure you get an added part of it being a member. I mean, being uh, being black and being a member of the LGBT community oh yeah like there's you know I, I and i do have to be I, i'm trying not to be super careful because part of my whole thing is i want to be as real and relatable as possible and that's also on social media but there are some times where i might be in heels and wigs and you know have a cocktail in my hand right. and i'm like i need to be a little bit selective about how this goes out there because people 
holds you to a completely different standard about being a human being when you are a medical professional. When I am at my job, I am sober, I am focused, I am not wearing heels, I'm not kikiing, that's not a time to kiki. Mm-hmm. When I'm at my house on a Saturday night, I can kiki all I want, and sometimes people can't understand that both of those truths can exist simultaneously. Absolutely. It happens in the mental health field, too. My wife worries about it all the time. All right. To be continued, maybe we can talk to Dr. Jen about that, too, at some point. Oh, this no. has been Ask the NP. You know what happens when a nurse is late? People die. Helen, let's get the party started. Nursing, nurse, nurse, nurse. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject on the new Channel Q, Allie and James. And it is our weekly wake-up call, as we always do, with author, educator, media personality, Twitter aficionado. Man, if you do not follow Dr. John Paul on Twitter, please do, because you will get educated on the daily. You will also laugh on the daily. You will also get some fabulous pictures. That, that most recent one, I think, from yesterday, Dr. John Paul was amazing. It's your weekly wake-up call. Dr. John Paul, welcome back to the show. Hey, happy to be back. Thank you very much. Glad to have you here. Let's get right into uh, this really fascinating conversation. You know, we continue these conversations with Dr. John Paul every week to to try to keep the conversation about systemic racism going and all different facets of what that means. And that this, of course, comes out of Black Lives Matter movement, where we're talking a lot about that, but we don't want it to just be something that happened for those few weeks. We really want to dissect a lot of these issues going forward. And recently, there was a Police Lives Matter (laughs) rally in Vermont, where there was also a Black Lives Matter rally right next to it. And a, they're calling her Vermont Karen. She explodes in this horribly awful racist tirade towards the Black Lives Matter individuals. And I'm, I'm going to just sum it up as best I can for you because she swears a lot, so we can't really play it. But Black Lives Matter don't matter to me at all. White Lives Matter. You've had everything for effing free. Everything. Blacks have been coddled for years. Free college, free everything. Your test scores are higher everything. It's still not enough and never will be. That's why black lives don't effing matter to me. Mm. So we're so used to like racist Karen's ranting at this point. Like I wasn't offended by the things that she was. I mean, of course I was offended by the things that she was saying. They're awful. But what this did make me think about Dr. John Paul was this concept that people have that black people have been given everything for free and that we go to college for free and that we do all these things for free. And so we should just be satisfied. Right. Yeah. So I have so many thoughts. And the one thing that I think is so interesting is, is that when we look at things from a historical standpoint, this idea that Native American, we call them Native individuals, you know, Indigenous people were here, Black folks were brought here, and Black folks were basically beat into this idea of create our country. (laughs) Like we were the ones who were told that we had to create the country. And so now, you know, in 2020, numbers might be going up and we might be getting some representation here and there. And folks are still feeling this idea of like, oh, you're getting everything for free or you're getting more. I think what's very interesting and something that we need to kind of focus on, I don't know who said it, but it sticks with me that sometimes white individuals get mad at black people because even with all that we've been through and all that our history has created, we've still been able to take on and get more out of our lives than some of the individuals who've been given a head start. That's the first thing I start thinking about when we start having this conversation, right? Like what makes her so angry and what makes her so frustrated is probably because she's had ample opportunities to get to where she needs to go and can't. But there's also Mm -hmm. this other frustration that lives in me that wants to acknowledge that nothing for 
Black individuals has ever been given to them without a cost, right? I think about myself. I have a doctorate degree and I still have a whole bunch of loans behind it. I make a pretty decent amount of money and I still have to pay a whole bunch of taxes just like everyone else, right? Nothing in this world is free. I would even beg to say that I'm working twice, if not three times as hard to have what I have when in certain situations there have been opportunities for other white people to just walk into a room and get what they want. So these are the uncomfortable truths that we kind of have to sit with. And I think an uncomfortable truth that Vermont Karen is not sitting with is this idea that nothing for Black people has ever been handed to them. And yet we still continue to do well. Like we still continue to do okay and, and still surpass the expectations of many people, yet this person is sitting at home watching us do this and is saying everything is being handed to you. And I'm, as a Black person who ultimately has had to work their behind off to get what they have, I just want to ask, like, where have I ever been handed anything for free? Because everything for me in my life has come with a cost. Everything. I was talking to a, a writer friend of mine, and he's a cis, white, hetero man, and he's had ample job opportunities in the writing world for many years. And he is having trouble finding work right now. And he mentioned diversity. And he's like, a lot of the places that mm. I'm applying for, they don't want to hire me because they're looking for diversity. And he wasn't necessarily complaining, but he was like, yeah, it's been really tough. And it's kind of this thing of like, yeah, it's been tough for a lot of people for a lot of time. <laughs> and I think Welcome that's to the party. Right, exactly. To the party. So I think for some people, it's a bit of a wake up call for them to have the playing field be evened out and they're uncomfortable with that. And then the knee jerk reaction is to be like, well, now you're getting all this stuff. <laughs> you know, where it's like, yeah, but they weren't getting any stuff before. And even these little initiatives, I assume Vermont Karen is referencing things that were related to like affirmative action or something. It's like, yeah, but those are so minimal, right, compared to the, the larger picture. And I still don't have my 40 acres and a mule. Right. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, I, like I just I'm stumbling over my words because I'm trying to pick my words cautiously because I recognize that there are people who are going to be listening and are going to feel away about some of the things that I say in this conversation. But I think it is imperative to recognize okay. how much privilege is rooted in this idea that you are upset that someone is getting the same opportunity as you, right? Or mm -hmm. or is doing well, right? The idea for you to throw back and say, Black lives don't matter and they're getting everything for free. You're automatically telling me that you know what your life and what your color has, has provided you throughout your duration of being here on this earth. And now because me as a Black person, I'm somewhat near getting the same treatment and the same respect. You're mad about it. I'm going to say this because I know we're going to have to go to break, but I think about this a lot. The thing about all of this, racism, white privilege, you know, white supremacy and all of that is a lot of white individuals are upset in this moment because they know exactly how they've treated black people in the past. And it's now starting to catch up with them and it's now starting to become vocal and open and, and folks are starting to see it. And it's like, you know what you've, how you've benefited in this world. And now you're scared you're going to be treated the same way that you treated black people mm -hmm. and other marginalized people for the time that you've been around. Okay. I see you. I get mm -hmm. it. All right. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with Dr. John Paul talking about the myth of the welfare queen. Stick around. Drop the subject returns after this. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. 
Welcome back to Drop the Subject. We are in the middle of our weekly wake-up call with Dr. John Paul, an incredible educator, an activist, a writer. can be found at Dr. John Paul on Twitter, on Instagram, and everywhere, drjohnpaul.com. We're talking about uh, some of the words that were coming out of a, a woman's mouth at a pro-police rally in Vermont uh, talking about how black people have gotten everything for free. <laughs> and one of the things that I that James mentioned during the break was the welfare queen myth. And can we just kind of talk about that in general? Because I think there's this there's this myth that there's some some black woman sitting around who's like getting rich off the government, having kids and not getting a job. And I, I think that that's a myth we should break down right now. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, it's so interesting because I will say this and I, I, I'm i going to say this very lightly. My mom was the myth of the welfare queen. Growing up, my mother was on welfare and she had both me and my brother. She was a single parent. And there are so many things like so many folks think that, oh, this woman is just sitting at home on welfare. And my mom actually had two jobs. And on top of having the two jobs and getting welfare, she was still trying to balance the idea of being a single black mother. And so I think it's so interesting to me when people bring up this idea of like, oh, people on welfare are just sitting at home. Oftentimes they are not. They are working two, three, four jobs just to make sure that ends meet because welfare really isn't doing anything for anyone these days with the cost of living. The other thing that I think is so imperative is if we check the numbers, and I think that's the thing I always want to go back to. Statistics will tell you the truth in a lot of different ways. And I think a lot of individuals, specifically white people, have a hard time dealing with the truth. A lot of the numbers in relation to welfare show that white people are on welfare way more and more frequently than marginalized people, right? And if you really understand how the welfare system works, you will know that the welfare system has a lot of caveats in it that makes it very difficult for people who are poor to make a quote-unquote living off of just being on welfare, right? There are all these expectations. You have to work so many hours to get so much money. And if you don't work those hours, then you don't get the money. But if you do get the money and you go over those hours, you cut off. So there are all of these different games that I think are played around this idea. And I think when we really start to kind of source down what it means to be a welfare queen, there's this myth and this ideology that basically Black there's this Black person somewhere just sitting on the government and saying, I don't want to do anything. When again, oftentimes, Black and brown people are the ones who are working way harder than anyone else in this world just to make sure that their bills can be paid. So I think for us, it's just where, again, where is this myth rooted in? It's rooted in this idea of privilege, right? This idea that you don't want someone to have more than you. And so it's easy for me to create this myth about the welfare queen in order for me to feel better about the idea that I'm not doing as well as anyone else in this world. Or even that I am still per, still taking advantage of a system that was built for me, whether I get it consciously or not. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I like to, my, my mom was, a, was a, a pastor after she was a nurse and she used to, you know, this was in Nebraska. And my mom raised us, you know, she took a vow when she became a missionary and then a pastor that she would live in the community that she served. And so she served the hood, if you will, in, in Nebraska. And that is why we were partially why we were raised in the hood. And so my mom, who's a short little round white lady, would go out to all these churches trying to get money from uh, different parts of Nebraska. And she would take with her this thing that she put together called a walk in her shoes. And it, it was to specifically dispel this myth of the welfare queen, because a lot of these churches that were predominantly white in different parts of Nebraska wouldn't give money to the mission work that my mom was trying to do in the inner city of Omaha, because they didn't want to give more money to those people who were just Hmm. sitting around not doing anything. And so Mm -hmm. I think there's other parts of this sort of racial narrative that we have to really take into account. So let's say an individual's name is Lakeisha, right then and there. Mm Mm-hmm. 
seeing the name Lakeisha on a resume is going to dissuade some people from hiring her. You're going to assume that Lakeisha does not have as much of an education. You're going to assume that Lakeisha has a bunch of kids at home. You're going to assume that Lakeisha looks and talks a certain particular way. So then you're not acknowledging this entirely racist system built to hold Lakeisha down. So then when Lakeisha can't get this job that you think she needs to go get, she ends up working right. four different jobs at fast right. food places. Right. And so then all of a sudden she's working that fourth job at wherever, but that fourth job disqualifies her from getting the or money that welfare. she needs and the food stamps. Right. So she doesn't get that job so that she can qualify for the food stamps so that she can feed her damn children. So it is not that Lakeisha does not want to work, but it is that this entire system is built to keep Lakeisha down, including the social welfare system. But Joan, a white woman who might be in a very similar situation, is not going to have those same issues in trying to secure a job or education. Well, even thinking about how we look at Lakeisha and how we look at Joan, right? Poor Joan. You know, Joan fell on hard times and Joan needs a little bit of help. Let's make sure she gets it, right? But Lakeisha is sitting at home on welfare Mm -hmm. and she's not doing anything but herself, right? Just having kids. Just having kids. Right. And I know a lot of Jones with a lot of kids. And, you know, like I said this before, when we were on the break, I don't know anybody who's sitting at home on welfare going, I don't want to work for me. Like every single black person that I've known that ever has you has ever utilized welfare has been in situations where they have said, I would much rather not because of my pride and because of all of the things systematically that comes with it, not have to take this check rather than go out and get a job. Everybody wants a good job, right? I think about that a lot. Like, what are we ultimately saying when we start talking about, well, we just want, you know, it really is. It's a lot of classism. It's a lot of elitism. It's a lot of racism. It's really much rooted in this idea that you think of yourself as being better or you think of someone else being beneath you. And oftentimes that whole narrative around the welfare queen is wrapped in massage noir. And it's wrapped in this idea too of I'm better than you and you don't deserve the same liberties and access to living a full life the way that I do because you're a black woman who maybe has a child, quote unquote, out of wedlock. Hmm. You don't know someone's full situation, right? right? And I just want to make this note too, that this whole conversation around police lives matter, being a police is a job. Like, (laughs) and there are a lot of black people who cannot (laughs) get this job. So for you (laughs) to say police lives matter and that you're mad about black people getting any type of advantage, this is a job that someone is taking on. It is not an actual person. And we have to go yet again. But I I mean, I think the idea of I'm going to use the government to help me get ahead. I'm going to manipulate the system. Seems like that entire idea is also steeped in white privilege. Very much so. You know, of being like, I have the ability to just kind of manipulate the government at my will, (laughs) you know, where I feel like for (laughs) black people, it's more about survival, like literal survival. Yeah. Dr. John Paul can be found at Dr. John Paul on Instagram, Twitter, all social media platforms. Also, their work can be found at drjohnpaul.com if you want to read some of the articles that they've written, some of the TED Talks that they've done, all very inspiring, wonderful things. We will see you next week, Dr. John. See you soon. Take care. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject presents... News it or lose it. That's right. It's time for News It or Lose It. This is Drop the Subject, Allie and James. Allie, are you ready for your three headlines and the three toughest decisions of your life? I'm ready. Jesse, add a ding. 
At a <laughs> oh, Allie, it doesn't even have you don't even have porcelain cat. Yeah, I do have I do have Buddha cat. Hold Buddha on. cat. Buddha Buddha porcelain I, cat. I've Wait. got Buddha cat here. No, something. Okay, it's Buddha Doja cat. Cat's sister. <laughs> we should start that the Twitter account. There you go for Buddha cat. Okay, uh, headline number one: New York Yankees were unaware that Trump, jealous of Anthony Fauci, maybe had scheduled himself to throw first pitch at game. Oh, he scheduled himself? Uh-huh. What a douche. Lose it. Lose it. Yeah, long story short, the Yankees were like, we actually didn't have him on the schedule to throw out the first pitch. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's amazing. Headline number two. Actors who play brothers on TV revealed to be boyfriends in real life. Ooh, news it. A little scandalous. A little scandalous. And had Allie Johnson. Are you ready? Headline number three. Warner Media investigating mm. Ellen DeGeneres show for workplace misconduct. Ding, 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 ding. If I had one of those like it's dinner time bells. <laughs> right. With the, like the triangle, the right that goes around. Uh, <laughs> yes. All right. So let's get to the salacious story. These are um, they're two, they're actors. They're on a soap opera. So they have this sort of classic white guy angular jaw good look which is nice to look at it's also like i don't know sometimes it gets a little old right like mm, yeah why you're are like these... okay you're perfect well right and they both have abs and they're both cute and like when they're white with their big angular jaws like oh whatever why is that the only <laughs> thing that's ever shown as being pretty but whatever i digress because okay us we're... people who have non-prominent chins are pissed off thank you i got a big old okay. round head and we got <laughs> i do too round face round faces need to come back in style at some point we had it we had a moment in like the 1500s <laughs> yes and I did oh, that that long ago. Jesus. <laughs> maybe maybe it crept into the 1800s. You make it know. sound like like the big earthquake that everyone's like, oh, we're overdue. <laughs> we're overdue for the big one. Right? We're, we're, we're overdue for round faces and round bodies to come back into du jour. Hi. It's true. It was like all medieval times. It was like soft features and yeah. like fat, fat people. Yeah. yeah, totally. I was big in the 1500s yeah literally <laughs> and too. figuratively i'm also that old okay actors max <laughs> parker and chris mokri who play brothers luke and lee posner on the hit british soap emmerdale are actually mm. dating nice so there's they of course have their instagram pictures where they're like you know hey bro i'm standing at a water fountain or water what's the thing where it's pretty in nature not a fountain waterfall i'm standing at a waterfall with my abs <laughs> and the one's a redhead and you know i kind of like redheads he's kind of cute uh but again also too perfect they were cast as brothers and are really alike and have been joking that casting did a really great job <laughs> uh. um now interestingly they actually have never shot any scenes together because it is a soap opera right one of them died and on the day that the one died, the other brother came in on set and they both were on set at the same time. And that's how they met. But they've never actually done any scenes together, at least on camera, if you know what I mean. Oh, yeah. They're doing some behind the scenes. Emphasis on the behind. Emphasis on the behind. So very, very interesting there. But we wish them luck in their new budding relationship. How cute that they were brothers on camera, but they're dating offline. Doesn't matter because we got to talk about Ellen. <laughs> <sighs> 
All right. So remember that BuzzFeed story that came out a couple weeks ago? Do I? Do do you? I may or may not have brought it up 14 times, alleging (laughs) inappropriate comments and a culture of fear at the show. Well, now... Warner Media, like the big boss of the Ellen DeGeneres show, has initiated an investigation into alleged workplace misconduct. And the story there, this comes directly based off of that BuzzFeed story um, saying that they, they've got to investigate this because as we've all been saying, Allie, where there is smoke, maybe there's fire. Mm-hmm. I know it's interesting to see how this has taken off because we've been covering, you've been covering this since its inception. Right. Uh, I feel like ba- I broke the from story. That, from that one tweet <laughs> yes. that everybody was like, oh, me too, me too, me too. In terms, not, I shouldn't throw that term around, but like literally saying this happened to me too of, of this, this toxic relationship or this toxic culture at the Ellen show. And now it's like the New York Times is covering it uh-huh. and there's an actual formal investigation happening. I mean, I don't know what the future holds, but Ellen, ball's been in your court, bitch. Right. Like, we need to hear from you. Period. Period. Happy endings. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject is unfortunately having to drop all subjects for the rest of the evening because we must leave. But we'll be back. I know. It's not the end. Say it ain't so. It's not the end. No, I know. Allie and James uh, here, and if you missed anything on the show today, we did some exciting stuff, and if you missed anything, you can download the podcast. We uh, called some places in the United States to see if they were opened or closed with our new segment, Open Close. We we talked about Ellen. We talked about a new trend in domestic animal ownership, chickens. (laughs) Everyone wants that. I can't say that word on the radio. Um, but sure you can. We, I know we did just the tip Tuesday and boiled <laughs> down every self-help book down into 11 steps and much, much more. So if you missed anything no. and a brand new, <laughs> brand new intro, <laughs> nope, uh, you can uh, download the podcast, drop the subject wherever you find your podcast <laughs> and you can get caught up on all things show related. You can also follow us on social media at DTS show. Okay. Now you're done laughing? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Drop the subject, listeners, if you guys feel the same way. But sometimes it's just one word or even like a noise that Allie makes. It just sends me over the edge. Which is, whoa. 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 Mm, Nope. You can say that word, Allie. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) No, okay. All right. Happy endings is the time of the show. We take something that was a little sad times, turn it into some happy times, give it a silver lining, give you a fluffy cloud to sit on for the rest of your day. James, what is your happy ending? Middle-aged white ladies in Connecticut may feel like they have to buy 14 chickens in order to feed their families in the time of COVID. But at least she won't be asking to speak to the manager about the store being out of eggs. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You won't have to speak to a manager because you won't be going to the store to buy eggs. You'll yep. be waiting. Yep. You'll just have to. There's no manager of chickens. No, she is the manager of chickens. She, <laughs> she would be asking to speak to herself, looking in the mirror. What if she just named all the chickens? Karen? She'll be like, I have a medical condition. I need to speak with you right away. <laughs> and the chicken's like, <laughs> they're like, no, you don't. Can I see your card? <laughs> All of a sudden, the chicken just I'm going to crap talking. all over your lawn. That's what I do. I'm a chicken. <laughs> uh, and Allie, your happy ending. My happy ending is that it's a bummer that the Marlins cannot play baseball right now. Mm. 
but neither can actual Marlins. (laughs) (laughs) Really? (laughs) So they're kind of living up to their team name. In obvious news. Like Marlin Fish have been like, you guys, we can't play baseball. I don't know why you're naming a team after us. <laughs> okay, but that can't be that. Can Krakens play hockey? Yes. Like if we extend. Yes, really oh. well, because they can hold like a million sticks. <laughs> That's right. Release the Kraken onto the ice. Because and it's just like. It's, a- <laughs> it's the perfect goal. Oh, my God. I never even went to. But can the Bears play football? I mean, that's a no just all the way around. But Yeah, they know, can. You know, bear. They can't throw them, but they can definitely tackle each other. But can't Mar- don't Marlins have big like noses? Can't they? They can swat at the ball. They just have to play water baseball. This is, this is, see, just be sure you download the podcast every day. This is the high quality entertainment you get here on Drop the Subject. (laughs) Marlins can play, they can technically have a high batting average as long as they play water baseball. Well, we're going to (laughs) go. We'll see you later. Definitely download that podcast and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. On the next. On the next. Drop the subject. Hey, didn't see you there. It's Allie and James from Drop the Subject. Did you know four out of five doctors recommend our show? Yeah, he's a doctor. So take that, hydroxychloroquine. And take that, bleach. I wonder who that fifth doctor um, is. <clears throat> uh-huh. <laughs> James! Uh... I want to ask Dr. Chris. Drop the subject. 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Pacific. 1 to 4 Eastern on Channel Q.